Before I get into the meat of things, I just want to say that uh, over this uh, last week, uh, we've seen a lot of activity uh, from um, the Senate in the United States. They just uh, tried to pass, uh, I mean, they, they passed a bill that had a, almost a trillion dollars or around a trillion dollars of infrastructure spending. And uh, in that bill, it actually got held up for a few days because the government was talking about cryptocurrencies and, and how they would regulate them, and initially they proposed some language that was very um, very generic and problematic, and then some senators who were bipartisan uh, were trying to influence the language and add amendments, and the details don't really matter, uh, although uh, Alex and I are going to do an episode where we can discuss uh, what really happened, but what really matters is that the White House uh, was backing one of the amendments that was proposed. And that amendment actually had the words proof of work uh, in there as something that uh, should be excluded from um, some of the uh, limitations that they wanted to put in. Um, so just knowing that the government of the United States is aware of what proof of work is and that Gary Gensler, the uh, head of the SEC, is favorable towards Bitcoin, uh, gives a really cool twist uh, to this episode. So, again, we're exploring a scenario in which the government could stop Bitcoin, but chooses to not stop Bitcoin. So, uh, if we wanted to recap the previous episode, we discussed there that governments, basically, whether you think they're benevolent or they're not benevolent, they want more power uh, to accomplish their goals. And the idea is when you something. So let's say you have uh, a state-run enterprise. It makes sense to privatize it if you think that the private uh, person that runs the enterprise will run it so much better than that generating the tax revenue. Let's say your corporate tax is 20% or 30%. If 30% of the revenue when the company is run by private hands is bigger, then 100% of the revenue uh, when it is run by the state, then it makes sense for the state to privatize the, um, to privatize the enterprise, right? So basically, you need to make it like three times more efficient. So in our, because um, otherwise, right, it just makes sense to keep running it um, as a government and not privatize it. So, and, and the three times is just an order of magnitude. The idea is something needs to be much, much more efficient when run privately um, in order to uh, justify the privatization of it uh, if it's voluntary. Now, I also touched on involuntary privatizations, which were like in the USSR, for example, when, when um, the government collapsed and they couldn't keep paying the employees of the government because in, in communism, everybody was employed by the government. So... Once the government collapsed and they couldn't pay the people um, longer, then they kind of had to privatize uh, all the industries. But I don't think people get to that. Like, I, I think the USSR uh, collapse was a once-in-a-lifetime kind of um, situation, at least for my lifetime. 
And so let's think of a situation where the government just says, hey, if we privatize the money, uh, we will be able to make more tax revenue than if we currently have a government monopoly over it. Now, why would that be? So we touched on, on a few uh, aspects in the previous episode, but I want to make it very uh, kind of deep uh, and dive a bit deeper into like why does government money, why is government money, especially when it's a monopoly, why is it so much less efficient? So basically, the government uh, can control the amount of money in the system. And if it prints money, let's say the government were to print a lot more money, because there's more money in the system, the interest rates would go down because the interest rate is the cost of borrowing money. So the more supply of money you have at the same demand, right, the lower the cost would be. So basically when the government prints a lot of money, uh, interest rates go down. Now, why would that be a bad thing? Why could that be a bad thing, right? The Keynesian uh, method says that low interest rates are good because then people borrow more and they invest more of the money that they borrow, and then they're able to grow the economy. But if it were so good, then why, why have interest rates that are higher than zero? Or now many of the interest rates are, are negative, right? So in a sense, there's too much money in the system. Negative interest rates just means that there's too much money in the system. So why did we reach this situation and why could it be bad? So let's start first from why could it be bad? So this is a little bit technical, but please bear with me because I really want to get to the root of this. When the interest rates are higher, you need to have a very compelling project that would justify uh, borrowing money in order to do it, right? Because like if, if your interest payments are, let's say 10%, uh, then the project that you build with the money that you borrow needs to generate at least 10% on the money that you borrow. Otherwise, you'll just be losing money. Now, if, if the same interest rate is 1%, you know, you could borrow money and start a project that only generates 1% of your capital, and then you're still solvent. Now, why is that uh, a bad thing? It's a bad thing because projects that generate a higher return are more lucrative projects, right? They grow the economy faster. The growth rate of the economy is basically the average or the sum of all the projects that people in the economy do. You take that average, right? And that's the growth rate of the economy. Very, very crude, very basic terms. But I think, you know, in a large scale, this is how things work. So by lowering the interest rate, you divert people's labor into projects that yield a lower growth because they're still profitable. And at a higher interest rate, you will have people working on things that will generate higher growth. So if that's the case, why have low interest rates? The reason why you want to have low interest rate or why it happens that interest rates are low. And by the way, if you look at the, the chart from like the last hundred years, the interest rate, the real interest rate has been steadily going down. So there's two reasons for that. One reason is good and one reason is bad. The good reason could be if the technological developments 
uh, are, are so big that basically the cost of money is, is lower and lower just because we can generate so much money that the cost of it is lower. And, or the trust is better or the economy is more efficient. So all of these are good reasons to have lower interest rates. The problem though is that there's also a bad reason interest rates, which is when you print money. And when you print money, it's basically something that's easy to do. So if, if you're in a democracy and your voters demand certain things, if you can print money, it's much easier than to collect taxes because collecting taxes, there's a limit to how much taxes the government can collect as a percentage of the total economy. And, and you can see this if you survey um, economies all over the world, you'll see that they collect around 20% of GDP. As taxes. And again, it doesn't matter how much you set the, in, the, the, the tax rate. Uh, what matters is how much, how many taxes you collect. So for example, if you set the tax rate at hundred percent, you'll collect zero taxes because nobody will want to work because you take all their money. If you set the interest rate at zero percent, uh, sorry, the tax rate at zero percent, you will also uh, collect zero taxes because the tax rate is zero. So anywhere between zero and hundred, you can draw a curve of, of how much revenue uh, will you collect at different tax uh, tax rates. Now, the, there's no consensus on what's the optimal one, but there is a consensus that there's a limit on how much you can collect uh, with taxes. Now, the thing is, when you print money, there's no limit. The only limit to printing money is inflation. And uh, there's a movement now called modern monetary theory. They will basically tell you as long as you don't see inflation, you can keep printing money. The problem is that the government is the one who defines how you measure inflation. So currently housing and food, for example, are excluded from the inflation index. So it's not very uh, fair to say, oh, we only have 4% inflation or 5% inflation, where we know, for example, the houses have gone up, uh, the real estate has gone up by a lot more. So the idea is that if you're a democratically elected government, you have pressure from people to print money. That pressure will cause the interest rates to be lower than in an equilibrium. And then when that happens, uh, we stop. The, the people's labor will be diverted into projects that are less profitable uh, than, than, than could have been because the interest rates are lower. Now, this is actually very interesting because it's not trivial to not print money in a democracy. Uh, if, let's say, I run on a ticket that says, well, I'm not going to print money, house prices are going to crash by 50%, the stock market is going to crash by 50%, unemployment is going to go up to 30%, and someone runs against me and says, I'm going to continue printing money, and then the, the stock market won't crash, the housing won't crash, and you will keep your job, guess who will get the votes? But we have here an idea of a government which it cannot get people to vote for the right interest rate, but it can uh, do it if for some reason there was no way for the government to print money. So for example, in the 19th century, when everybody was on the gold standard and there was no way to print money, then it doesn't matter if people vote to you know, spend the government could just say, sorry, we don't have the money. Like, this is the maximum we can collect from taxes. We just don't have the money to spend. And then, you know, you could borrow 
in order to spend. But when you borrow as a government, if you cannot print money, then the interest rate that you have to pay is much higher than, than the current interest rate. So basically, during the gold standard, governments had an excuse to not print money. Now that we're off the gold standard, governments do not have an excuse. And that's my core thesis, that Bitcoin gives governments the excuse they need to go to people and say, sorry, we cannot print money. Why? Because look at our currency. It's devaluing against Bitcoin, right? So that basically says that the privatization of money is the government simply allowing Bitcoin to take a larger and larger share of the pie, of the, of the monetary pie, um, and they choose not to stop it because they know they need to somehow get out of this mess of tons of debt that they have. And uh, the only way they can get out of this mess while still having to be reelected is to basically not do anything about Bitcoin, allow it to take larger and larger chunks of the economy, and then everything slowly will transition into a better monetary system which means that the growth rates that the, uh, basically think, think of it this way, in a simplistic way, the interest rate and the growth rate are linked. I don't know exactly what's the parameter linking both of them, but if one goes up, the other one will go up, right? So if the interest rate is higher, the growth rate is higher. And so that will allow moving to a Bitcoin standard will allow governments to basically increase the interest rates, increase the growth rates, and then they can get rid of all this debt that they currently have. Because uh, otherwise, if the growth doesn't increase, um, then the, the, we will never be able to pay the debt. Now, that's pretty much my thesis. I'd be very, very happy to hear uh, what you think, what you guys uh, think, and uh, happy to develop it uh, even further. Now, one thing that I wanted to know, what could, what, what is the Achilles heel, this whole theory? I think it's a pretty solid theory. But there's one Achilles heel, which basically always comes up in all of our conversations in this uh, show, uh, when we talk about monetary theory, when we talk about Austrian economics, there's always one Achilles heel, which is like, if we can somehow generate tons of uh, really, really cost-effective energy, um, or somehow basically have technological deflation that would counter the inflation, then the governments could uh, basically just sustain the current state uh, for much longer. And so then it's kind of less urgent for them to allow Bitcoin to succeed, but that still doesn't mean that they're going to block it because what can happen is it's enough that one country or it's enough that one group of people adopt Bitcoin, then the growth rate of the net worth of those people or, or that country or however you want to um, talk about the group of, of Bitcoin adopters will be so high that at some point they can start out-competing the governments that are not, that are kind of lagging behind because they didn't adopt the Bitcoin standard. Because the, the idea with technological deflation that's coupled with money printing, it's not very good for growth. So, so the growth rate there would be much lower then the growth rate you would have with the same technological deflation under a sound money, under, under something like a Bitcoin standard. So that's pretty much the, the idea of, um, that's the idea of uh, why 
privatization of money would be a good idea for government. And, um, and yeah, I would be very happy to hear uh, what you guys are thinking. Then another, another thing that I wanted to touch on is basically when, when would this happen or when would this be a concern? Because many people are, are worried about government interfering with Bitcoin. And my point is, currently Bitcoin is around 40 something thousand dollars, right? If it would take all of gold's uh, market cap, it would be around $600,000 per bit. So we know that the governments are okay with gold existing. And in a, in a way, gold is something like Bitcoin that basically cannot be divided and cannot be easily transferred and cannot be transferred internationally. But still, you could think that if governments really want to crack down on money laundering, they could just crack down on gold. And they're not cracking down on gold. So what I'm thinking is, as long as uh, the government is um, allowing gold to exist, I think we're pretty safe 10x from here. So $43,000 today or $46,000 today, up until $460,000 per Bitcoin, I don't think this is even an issue. But I would be very happy to hear what you guys think about, uh, is this viable, will this happen, um, any of that stuff. Um, because it's, I think it's kind of a hot take. I think not, not too many people are talking about um, governments just being happy to allow Bitcoin to exist. So thank you so much. This was our show for today. Please uh, like us on your podcast uh, app, like us on YouTube. And um, if there's nothing else in the chat, we can sign off and I will see you guys very soon.